When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way and behold the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. It is a real privilege to get to be here with you in Cool Springs. My name is Todd Teller. I'm one of the pastors at Christ Presbyterian Church. My focus is care, and I'm mainly at the old Hickory Boulevard campus. So it's a real blessing to get to come and see you. It's, I, I love our site model. It's so amazing. But one of the things that's hard is that we don't get to see everybody all the time. And so I am so excited to get to see you this morning. The Ramses have headed to Texas for time with the Ramsey family. And so I get to be with you this morning. And it really is a gift. And so thank you. This is a beautiful, amazing facility. And it's so encouraging to get to see what God is doing through Christ Presbyterian Church. Well, I grew up in Vicksburg, Mississippi and went to Warren Central, the Mighty Vikings. And I remember when Mike and his sister showed up. They were new to Vicksburg. They had just moved in and they were going to start school with us. He was hilarious and fun and funny, but he was mean. I couldn't believe it. He was so fun and jovial, but he was tough. He was insecure, and out of that insecurity, he made fun of people. He played jokes on people at their expense. He was the class clown and not in a good way. I like most people, and it's hard to make me mad or upset with people, but I didn't like Mike. (laughs) He was not a good guy. And it went on throughout that year. And then I lost track of him as we graduated from high school and he went to college and I went to college and his name would pop up in my mind sometimes and I worried about him because you could tell as you watched him, he was just insecure and he was hurting and hurting people hurt people, don't they? Don't we? Well, I 
got through two years of college, which was a miracle in and of itself. And that summer, my sophomore year, I went to work at a Christian boys camp. It was called Alpine Camp for Boys. And it was a camp that hired believers to counsel and disciple campers. And so I went, we had to get there a little early for pre-camp preparation. And I was walking back to my cabin after some training and I looked up the road and I thought, man, there was a guy coming towards you. He said, gosh, that looks a lot like might be, but it can't be. There's no way he would never be at a camp like this. Not Mike. But then I heard this voice from down the road from this guy that was coming towards me. He's, it, it said, oh, my word, is that Todd Teller? And it was. And it was Mike B. He was at Alpine. He had come to Christ. I couldn't believe it. Of all people, not Mike. But there he was. And throughout the summer, I got to hear his story. He had gone off to college and partied. He failed out the first semester. But then he went back and continued to party and carry on. And one night, as he was staggering back from a party, someone had removed the top of a manhole and he fell in it. He had been so miserable that semester and he had grown up around the church and as he fell, the only thing he could think of was, Lord, save me. And as he plunged into the sewage and thought, I'm going to drown and die. He doesn't know how it happened. He doesn't know who pulled him out, but he woke up laying next to the uncovered manhole. And he gave his life to Christ. And after that, he lived for Christ. And that jovial jokester exploded with joy for Jesus. Our story starts today with some people that we would never expect to be in a Bible story. They were stargazers. If you look at verse 1 and 2, we see the Greek word used there. The Bible says wise men from the east, but the Greek word used there really is magi, which if you look into it means magician or stargazers astrologers, dream interpreters, Gentiles, not Jews. These are not people that the first century reader would have expected. We've gotten used to it because they're in our nativity scenes, right? The wise men. But if you study a little further, and I hope I don't hurt your feelings, wise men really aren't supposed to be in our nativity scenes because they found Jesus not in a stable, but in a house sometime later after Christmas. But I would argue I'm thankful that wise men stay in our nativity scenes because we need wisdom we can gain from them after Christmas. And I think the wise men in our nativity scene point to some gospel principles that we need to carry on and carry out throughout the rest of the year till we get back Christmas. So I'm glad maybe it's not historical 
historically correct. I'm, I believe it's, pastoral, it's pastorally correct to have them in our nativity scenes. And so today, we're going to learn some wisdom for us that carry on, carries on after Christmas. And it's first that these men were stargazers, and they shouldn't be in the story. But it's a biblical principle we see all the time, isn't it? This is a beautiful facility. Y'all are beautiful people. You look nice, neat, and pretty. But I bet if you were honest with me, and if I was honest with you, what's in our hearts, what's in our lives, sometimes it's not nice and neat and pretty, is it? Not everything ties up in a nice, neat little bow, does it? Now, y'all look pretty, but I know because the Bible tells me that you're not. And I need you to know I'm not. The Bible says we're sinful, and that sin separates us from God. And so we go about our lives struggling, fighting to believe that we're loved, fighting to believe that we belong. And so the Bible in this incredible story starts with stargazers, with people that shouldn't be here. If we had written the Bible, it would have been Sunday school teachers, right? Or maybe even better, priests. But here we have wise men from the East. And if you look at them, you think, well, are they wise? I think when we look at their lives, we can say heartily, yes, yes, they're wise. Because of what they did. You see, they came from a far off country. They followed a star. Isn't that amazing? God always meets us where we are. And he uses our interest to point us to what he wants us to learn and what he wants us to understand and what he wants us to hold on to and, and have. Are you anxious? Are you fearful? Are you cranky? Are you cross? Are you like Mike? I am a lot of times. And this Bible story tells us, of course you are. But there's an answer. There's a, a pablum. God pursued these wise men from the east. And he gave them a star. And we don't know exactly what it was. But the Bible says it was a star. But more importantly, it did move and lead and guide. And so it was a miraculous star of some kind. But the greatest point to it, the greatest piece of that story is the Bible says it was Jesus's star. God used general revelation in a special way to lead these men that were likely from Persia. It was a long, hard journey. But they followed Jesus' star. These outcasts, these different people, these strangers from a strange land. Is that how you feel sometimes? Separate, lonely, fearful, unworthy. Isolated, but they came because they followed God's star. We read it, you heard it. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever, now stop and think about that because we blister through that. Whosoever 
no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you've done. God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whosoever believes in him shall have life in abundance, life eternal, every tongue, tribe, race, and nation. What a star. Martin Luther, in one of his Christmas sermons, said this, what was so amazing was not the star, but the fact that the Lord of heaven, the Lord of the universe, would love us so much that he should deign to take on flesh and share our woes. So as we think about wisdom after Christmas, let's think about this. Let's follow the wise men, and we should call them wise men because they followed the star to Jesus. They pursued knowing Jesus. They came. Well, I walked into my brother's room. Our cousins were staying with us, and David was talking to my brother. He was giving my brother good wisdom. I could tell he was serious. He was sober. He was helping my brother learn what life was all about. But I looked at my brother, and my brother seemed a little puzzled. And as I listened, I became a little puzzled too because David was about to graduate from college, and he was giving us wisdom. He said, listen, let me just help you. Let me, let me give you some wisdom that I've learned. I'm older than you, and I know some things. And here's what life is all about. Power, money, and merriment. So you do whatever it takes to get those things. And at first I thought, he's kidding, isn't he? And he wasn't. And he said, let me just give you this example. Let's say I start a business and your business is in my way. You're my cousin. I love you. And there's no doubt about that. But if it helps my business to overtake your business, to wipe you out, it's not personal. It's just business. And I walked away thinking, boy, that doesn't sound good. That doesn't feel right. And I knew he loved us, but that was just his philosophy. That's the world's philosophy, isn't it? Years later, I noticed a difference in him. He was always funny and fun and always loving, but it was deeper. It was, he was more settled. It was more beautiful. And I asked him about it, and he said, I've come to Christ. I couldn't believe it. And I said, what happened? He said, well, you may remember my philosophy was power, money, and merriment. And I went about doing it. And I was empty. And it was frustrating because I was succeeding. He, he was, he's brilliant. And he was tearing it up. But it was not making him happy. It was not fulfilling his heart. There was a hole in his soul, he said. And then he met this businessman that was different. And he called him and he said, could, could I take you to lunch because what you have, I want. And he said, oh yeah, let's, let's do that. They, he lived in Julian, California, and that's a mountain. And so they went to this really great restaurant at the top of the mountain. His car died that day and his uncle had a farm truck and that was the only wheels available to him and he was so frustrated he thought golly I got to show up at this meeting in this terrible truck and one of the worst things about it was the the radio would go in and out you had to bang on the dashboard to get it to work 
So he got up the mountain, went to the restaurant, met the man. Guess what the man did? He shared the gospel with my cousin David. And he said, that's the difference. That's why I do things differently. And so David, uh, a little frustrated, but inquisitive, got in the truck and he said, Lord, I don't know. I don't, not sure if I can believe in you. I'm not sure I can take what he told me to heart. If you're real, if this is true, if what he told me is right, will you show me and help me know for sure? Well, he started back down to go to his house, and then, like I said, it was on a mountain, and it was a circular road, and you had to go down the mountain, around the circles. Well, the radio went out, and he started, as you had to, banging on the dashboard, and he lost control of the truck, and he went off the road, and he rolled down a level and came crashing down on the, another level of the road. There was a man behind him on a motorcycle and the man drove up expecting to find somebody mangled or dead. And David crawled out of the truck with just a scratch on his hand. And he said, sir, I don't know who you are and I can't explain what just happened, but there's no way you should be alive. And guess what? David didn't have a seatbelt on. He came to Christ that day. He learned that it was true. Things don't always happen like that. But our second lesson today is not only were these stargazers, they were seekers of Christ. Think about it. They saw a star and it became their priority. They left their families. They left their homes. They left what was familiar. They left what was comfortable. They left what they understood and they went on a long journey, a perilous journey, a hard journey, because there was nothing more important than meeting Christ. Yes, they were wise men because they made coming to know Jesus their greatest priority. They put it first in their lives. They sacrificed everything. And isn't that what the Bible tells us? Proverbs 9, 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. If you look at verse 2, what did we find? Saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. They left their homes to come and find Christ, to worship him. Special revelation led them uh, general revelation, the star led them to special revelation. You see, they saw his star, but they needed his special revelation to understand the details, to understand what it takes to have a relationship with God, to see and know who they are, who they were, that they're sinners in need of God's grace, but that grace is possible. That grace is offered in this one they came to find in the house, the baby Jesus, or maybe at this time, the toddler Jesus. But he's the key. He's the sacrificial lamb, the Messiah, the Christ that God the Father had sent who came and lived a perfect life because we can't. They couldn't. 
and died a criminal's death because our sin, their sin had to be paid for. It had to be dealt with. God doesn't sweep sin under the carpet. And he longs for a relationship with people who on the outside may look nice, neat, and pretty, but are struggling inside, fearful, worried, wondering. And so these wise men followed his star. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. And he led them to the house where Jesus was. They led these Easterners. They led these Gentiles to the one who could save them from their sin. Oh, they are wise men. Now, we don't know. Actually, the Bible doesn't tell us that there were three of them, but it does say it is in there that it's plural. Now, I think it's not crazy, and smarter people than me and scholars agree, it probably was three. Why? Because they gave gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But it could be even something more exciting because everything in the Bible points us to God, doesn't it? Here's the thing. That was a big deal that they left their homes to come find Jesus. It was a hard thing to do. But here's the thing. Here's another lesson that we need to learn and remember. They did not do it alone. They came with friends. We need to live our lives in community. Here you are, Christ Presbyterian Church, Cool Springs. We need each other. It's important to have corporate worship, to come together and be together so that we can hear through songs, through prayers, through readings, through sermons, through the Lord's Supper. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. When you're having a bad day, when you're having a good day, we need to remember God so deeply desires a personal and intimate relationship with sinners like you and like me that he sent his son, his greatest possession, his most important thing. He gave him up because we are his joy. You remember how the writer of the Hebrews says, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. He thought of our names. He thought of us as he struggled to get to the cross and then hung on the cross. He said, oh, for Bruce, for Beth, for Joe, for Sean, oh, for the joy, I will do it. I will gladly, joyfully do it. It's hard to believe that, isn't it? And so we got to come together. We got to do it in community so we can remind each other, so we can help each other, so we can bear one another's burdens. We can't make it through this life alone. Now, I know especially, I am a uh, raging extrovert. And I know not all of y'all are that. There are many of you that are introverts. But guess what? Introverts need community too. I knew it was bad when we were going through the virus and the introvert started calling me saying, we got to do something or I'm about to go crazy. <laughs> we extroverts needed it fast, but introverts came around. These wise men teach us something. 
I do think there were three, but there were at least two. Do you know when God sent his disciples out to plant churches and to give the gospel away, they always went in twos. We're built for community. God is. God's never not been in community. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Don't do life by yourself. And we are prone to it. Don't you dare isolate. When we isolate, we get our honeys handed to us. Run to one another. And hey, it's not easy. It's hard. People are tough. But you got to do life in relationship. Don't miss it. You won't survive without it. Run to Jesus and run to living life in his community. And don't ever stop and don't ever give up. Keep at it. If you need help, when you need help, reach out. Reach out to Russ. Reach out to your elders. Reach out to your friends. Don't be afraid. We're all a mess. You don't need to be surprised. Whatever you're going through, whatever you've done, run to friends. Run to your church. They were stargazers. They were seekers. And then lastly, they were celebrators. I think sometimes we as Christians, uh, we can let this world wear us down and, and whoop us. What do we do? How do we overcome that? Well, what did these men do? This was not an easy journey. This was not an easy decision. And yet, look at verse 10 and 11. Look how it says it. Great joy, exceedingly so. A deer on the side of the road, a turkey, a good book, a beautiful flower, a sunset, a rainbow. My mom is one of the most joyful people I've ever been around in my life. It doesn't take much for her to get fired up and excited. She's very excitable. She explodes with joy. I think if you mention Jesus or she sees his fingerprints on something or she understands that he's at work around something, you can't shut her up. You can't stop her. She screams and squeals. And she's been accused of being a simpleton. She's been accused of being naive. But we lost my dad five years ago, and I learned something about that woman. She's 5'2" and full of joy, and it's real. She's not a stoic. She's not a simpleton. She lives in real life. She understands reality, but she fights for joy. She'll call me sometimes and say, Todd, I'm, I'm having a hard day. I've been crying my eyes out. But then I think about your dad. I think about the marriage we had. I think about the friendship we had, and I think about how Jesus is sustaining me. And I want you to know, I have a joy. I have a settling. I have a strength. And it's obvious. But it's hard, isn't it? We can be be run down and worn out by the hard things and the tough things we experience and go through. We live in a fallen world and we're a fallen people. And it can be very frustrating. It can be very hurtful. Evil is real. The world, the flesh, and the devil conspire against us. So we have to fight for it. We have to war against those things. These wise men 
fault. These wise men followed and it expressed itself. Their faith, their understanding expressed itself in incredible joy. Don't hold our noses and go, I just got to get to heaven. Do you ever do that? God says, no, I came to save you. And he does save through Christ. But it's not just that. Don't stop there. We can't stop there. We must not stop there. Wisdom from these wise men says, explode in joy. Exceedingly great joy. Why? You know how you say, well, let's say we're open our cupboard. My favorite dessert is chocolate chip cookies. And if you said, you can have all this in the cupboard except for those chocolate chip cookies. How hard is that? All I could do is think about those chocolate chip cookies, right? We say, oh, don't sin. Be joyful. No, that doesn't work great, does it? So what do we do? Dwell on the truth of the gospel, the good news that God has sent his son. These wise men were real people. Their journey was real. It's true. They did make it to that house. The star moved and then stopped over that home. And they went in, and what happened? They worshiped this baby, Jesus. How do you gain joy? How do you gain exceedingly great joy? We worship the king. We worship the baby Jesus. Even after Christmas. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And when we say fear, the Bible's not talking about that word that means terror. It's awe. It's excitement. It's understanding its love it's understanding his love for sinners like you and like me it's understanding what he's done for us it's the grace he lavishes on us when you think about those things when you dwell on those things when you read those things in his word you know I struggle, and maybe you do too, to think of him as an old man ogre in the sky. It's unbelievable. I have, have so many good things, and I'll have so many good things happen, and then almost instantly sometimes I'm like, well, why didn't he give me this, or why didn't he do this, or he should have done this, or why can't I have this? Do you do that? What do we do? We remember who he is and what he's done. He's a good, good father. All things work for the good of those who love him. Doesn't that make you mad sometimes when you hear that? But it's true. Just because we get angry, just because we get mad, just because we get frustrated about it. And he gets it. He's sweet and he's patient, y'all. He understands because life is hard. This is a fallen world and we're a fallen people. And sin and evil and awful are awful. But God... See, these wise men were wise because they feared the Lord. They were in awe of him, and they worshiped him. They gave themselves fully to him. 
word, prayer, worship, and communion of saints. Those beautiful, glorious gifts from God for sinners like you and like me to grow in our wisdom and knowledge of the Lord so that we're changed and made like unto him. He saved us, but he's at work sanctifying us. So maybe you're here and you've not made that step. Maybe you're here and you're like David. You wondered, is this real? Is this true? Can it be? Wisdom from these wise men after Christmas says, come to Jesus, seek him out. Maybe you have given your life to Christ, but you're worn out and you're wrung out and Christmas has whooped you. Take heart. He is at work and there's nothing you can do to stop him. He is a jealous God and he will not be satisfied with you just holding your nose and making it to heaven. He will not be satisfied with that. He wants you and I to learn to live again in this world now and be a light and have joy, exceedingly great joy because he loves us. And he saves us. He's done what no one else could do. Oh, these wise, wise men. Would you pray with me? Come ye sinners, poor and needy, Weak and wounded, sick and sore, Jesus ready stands to save you, full of pity, joy, and power. I will arise and go to Jesus. He will embrace me in his arms, in the arms of my dear Savior. Oh, there are ten thousand charms come ye thirsty come and welcome God's free bounty glorified true belief and true repentance Every grace that brings you nigh Come ye weary, heavy laden Lost and ruined by the fall If you tarry till you're better, you will never come at all. I will arise and go to Jesus.
Jesus, he will embrace me in his arms, in the arms of my dear Savior. Oh, there are ten thousand charms. Father, would you give us wisdom? Would you give us biblical wisdom? Would you give us loving wisdom? Would you walk us in your way to and through and for your son? We ask it in Christ's name. Amen.